0: Welcome to the Juicy Femininity for Black Girls podcast. I am your host, LaTonya Carla, and we are back with a new episode. Welcome to season two, guys. Um, It's been a while, but I am so excited to get started with this new season and all the content that I've um, come up for, all the things that I've put together for this new season. Um, We're going to have some guests this season, and it's just a very good time to kind of jump back in. Uh, I've been reason- reading all of the comments and um, reviews that i gotten from season one, even though it was a very short season. And, you know, it was just like re- six core episodes that I felt um, really gave a good framework for what I wanted to... the type of content that I want to be putting out with this podcast but I'm so excited, like, just so happy about some of the things that people were saying about it and how much people enjoyed the, the episodes. And so I'm so excited to jump back in again and, and um, bring you guys some fresh stuff. And um, let's dive right in. So this season, I'm, I'm coming in hot, y'all. I'm coming in hot with, <laughs> with a new topic, uh, talking about the rise of stress-related illness in black women. So this season, I want to dive more into wellness and healing and the health of black women and what we should be doing or what we can do to take better care of ourselves and to kind of eliminate some of the noise and the junk that's keeping us kind of in this crazy place of Stress and, you know, health concerns and things like that. I think that we talk about stress a lot, but we don't talk about the effects of stress on the body enough. I feel that, you know, as I was doing the research for this podcast, it, you know, this was just, this was based on a lot of the things that I was hearing from women in my program, in the uh, Feminine Finesse program. And just, a lot of some of the health issues that some women were having from headaches to insomnia to, you know, anxiety, depression. And as we went through the whole coaching process, it just became clear that the correlation in all of these situations was a lot of stress. And so this has been an episode that I've just been waiting to do for a while. And I wanted it to be the first episode because it's just such an important thing. And then as I really went into finding the um, information, like doing my research for this, I couldn't believe some of the things that I was learning. And just like while I had a hunch on, on this and just from the women that I've worked with, it It was, like, startling to me to hear some of these statistics and some of the things that, you know, women are really dealing with, but we're not really talking about. And we're going to get into why that is. Um, I think that as, you know, as we go through this podcast, we'll get to understand why that is that we don't talk about it as much. And that's a part of the problem in itself. It's like a vicious cycle. So let's get into it. So let's start off with a few statistics. At the age of 49 to 55, black women are 7.5 years biologically older than white women. And this is from the NIH. Women are 11% more stressed and 16% more anxious than males. That was reported by Lantern. And the younger you are, the less emotionally well you're likely to be with 18 to 24-year-olds having 25% higher social anxiety, 19% higher levels of, of depression, 11% more stress, and 13% are less happy than average males in high positions. Now, those statistics are crazy. Like, when I read that 7. Point, you're 7.5 years older than your, you know white counterparts it seems that's like crazy to me right this talk of stress and like higher levels of depression and higher levels of social anxiety like i've seen that in real life let it's one thing to read statistics like this but it's another thing to actually see this right and as a coach over the years i've seen it But it's so it's so crazy that like in our community, sometimes some certain things, even as a coach, even as someone who is a trained, certified coach, that we can normalize certain things and not even think that this is unusual because we're so used to this being a part of the narrative, like the the social norm in our communities. And so when you know i started looking at this differently, just hearing so many people and not to mention that we're dealing with the pandemic and so everything's just like at a whole new level right just seeing the amount of stress and the amount of overwhelm and like the core of where you know certain issues that women were having when it came to things that were affecting their health affecting their body affecting their mental health a lot of it came back to it came back to stress and it being stress related so anxiety depression even that coming back to being triggered from stress and so as I've been going through our programs in um, Juicy Feminine Woman I've started to think more about that and really get down to the nitty-gritty about it and I've been like researching this for months now like which is why this is like the first episode I've been researching this for some months because I just wanted to get more information about it and you know answer some of my own questions just as a woman dealing with my own stuff you know and so I've been revamping a lot of the programs to reflect some of this information and reflect some of these things that I've learned and virtual, even virtual conferences and workshops that I've even been in to kind of get more understanding and wanting to be um, in a better position to support women who are dealing with these things and really support them effectively. So why are women so stressed? Why are black women so stressed? The main thing that we can always that always comes to mind is that we play we have many roles as black women, you know, just the the, the superwoman syndrome, right? Everybody talks about that. And like, we're kind of trying to do away with that narrative that we are superwomen and we can just handle it all because we cannot. That is just not true. Even a lot of the women empowerment things that I see, you know, content and and communities that I've seen over the years have pushed that we can do anything. We can be anything. And that's true. We can do that. But I think that when we create an atmosphere where our validation is dependent on what we can do and what we can achieve and our and our value and worth is structured in that way. And I know that the women empowerment movement is not intending to do that, but we have created this culture where our values depend on how we identify and what we have achieved and what our success is, right? What what success we've achieved that has created this superwoman syndrome. Now, there's many things that have created this and we can go through history, but I don't have time because that would just be one really, really long and probably boring (laughs) podcast episode, but... You, we know that a lot of that comes from our history as Black people, a history as women being held back from, from being our full selves, right? But being your full self doesn't need to mean that that is your value, right? Everybody should be who they are and be their full selves, but their success and what they achieve from being that is not where your value lies. So one of the articles that I read was from Essence. I can't remember the exact title, but I will link it below in the description in the show notes so you guys can have access to that. Um, but in it, it talked about cumulative psychological stress. Right. And it says our psychological stress is often compounded by racial bias and discrimination, whether perceived or real. We deal with microaggressions and prejudicial treatment at every turn. So if we're walking around with with those feelings, this cumulative psychological stress of always having to be aware of yourself in certain spaces. Right. And we we feel that as women. Right. We have to be aware of our surroundings at all times. But we also have to be aware of Our blackness in a space, right? And making people feel comfortable, whether we know it or not, whether we know it or not. Because I feel like, you know, we do things almost out of habit sometimes, just trying to not seem like a threat or not seem like. A danger, And that's stressful. That is psychological stress on you. You know, if you go into a store and, and someone is looking at you or, or watching you and wondering if you're if you're shopping or who you're there for, like whether they say it to you or they just stand in there staring Um that's that's stressful that is a psychological stress so we all know it exists they know it exists you know it exists that there's this this feeling and the stress about where you are how you should be we all know about code switching and all these things that we have to consider wherever we go and whatever whichever environment we're in and that causes a lot of stress for us the third thing i discovered was the Superwoman schema and I read this in a few different places and so I want to give this little definition of what I read because it's kind of the best synopsis of what I could find in, in terms of what this really means so superwoman schema is a conceptual framework to better understand how the unique stress and coping experiences of black women influence our physical and mental health the superwoman schema has five characteristics Perceived obligation to present an image of strength. And we all know <laughs> that is part of that superwoman complex and that need to appear strong. Perceived obligation to suppress emotions. That's number two. Perceived obligation to resist help or to resist being vulnerable to others. The motivation to succeed despite limited resources. And five is the is prioritization of caregiving over self-care. Now, These traits represent a double-edged sword. It is not necessarily a bad thing to exhibit these characteristics. In fact, strength and motivation to succeed despite limiting resources can protect women in certain circumstances. However, emotional suppression and prioritizing caregiving of others while neglecting self-care may be problematic and especially if this becomes a long-term habit. The struggle to ask for help. That was that was the third one that was mentioned. The struggle to ask for help and to be vulnerable. Like that is a huge one. Like that is one that we struggle with every day and I and I feel that when we don't have space to ask for help or to say that we need help and we don't have space to be vulnerable and say what we feel and say what we think that over time affects the body so when we're talking about you know stress anxiety when we're talking about depression when we're talking about weight gain insomnia you know um a lot of those things are caused from a build-up of emotions a build-up of Stress, a buildup of not being able to say what we need, and over time, it just wears us out. And so, as we're having more women with hypertension, more women with diabetes, more women with struggles to lose weight, you know, if you're carrying the stress all, all the time and you're not making time for self-care, where we're caregivers, and it doesn't even say children. Let's let's point that out when it says prioritizing caregiving. We're not just talking about our children. We're talking about our children. We're talking about our children and our family. We're talking about family members. We're talking about parents, we're talking about grandparents. We're talking about just being caregivers all the way around. It can be detrimental. One of the things this this is not one of the things I researched is something that I I read a, some years ago that, you know, when we talk about married women versus single women, women who are older and never got married, you know, 50s, 60s, never got married or were married and are divorced and, you know, living their life. And women who are married, women who are not married are, are healthier to a degree than women who are married because women who are married tend to prioritize caregiving over self-care. Now, we in general tend to prioritize self-giving, self-care. Uh, caregiving over self-care but when you're married it is at a heightened level you feel more of an obligation to be the best mother be the best wife and not and to put yourself behind all of that when you hear the term uh, self-abandoning like this is this is what that that means like this is self-abandoning when you're prioritizing all these other things over taking care of yourself you're abandoning yourself you're abandoning what you need you're abandoning how you really show up you can't even be the best caregiver that you could be if you're not even taking care of yourself so all those things are important and I think that to summarizing that as the superwoman schema is so important like it's so It resonates so much just with where we are in our community. And the last thing that we want to do is turn those things into long term habits. If Those things become long term habits. Now we're talking about a lot of those health issues that present itself as we get older and get further away from ourselves and our our healing and our self-awareness and our self-care. Trying to live up to this unrealistic standard may cause chronic stress, which can affect the whole body and show up symptomatically as irritability or fatigue or headaches, emotional eating, difficulty sleeping, um, digestive problems, substance abuse, loss of sexual desire, anxiety, frequent colds. I mean, the list goes on and on of how chronic stress can show up in the body. When we talk about that cumulative psychological stress, it's hard to talk about that and not talk about the experience that black women have with healthcare, right? Because healthcare um our experience in the healthcare system or you know going to see the doctor or going to get help or when we're pregnant like the history of our pain not really being seen or not being um, recognized and taken seriously also is a problem and and so that can't be ignored. We know that there are a lot of systematic things that are that that causes us to not be able to take care of ourselves as well as we would like. But there are some things that we can do to create a more holistic health plan for ourselves. And to take care of ourselves in the in the best way we can. When we're visiting doctors or visiting healthcare facilities, we're paying attention to how they treat patients, as well as what they're doing to change this problem that is happening in the healthcare system. Because if there isn't a plan, if there isn't an active plan, if they're not listening and talking, and there aren't you know black women uh, in these rooms getting these problems to get some attention and to really um, put money and effort and resources towards changing those things, I think we need to keep that in mind as we're thinking about what healthcare we decide to take part of. But there are some things that you can do to take your life back in terms of helping you with the stress. The first thing that I will share is therapy and doing the work of being vulnerable. Now, <laughs> I said therapy, and I feel like that seems to be like the running uh, women, black women need to get therapy. Like, sure, we do. But I think that it's hard to talk about therapy and not address the fact that therapy is not accessible to everyone. And there's a struggle to find therapy in every for every woman in every space And I just I don't mean just, you know, signing up to BetterHelp or uh, some service like that, which is available, but it is expensive. You know what I mean? I think BetterHelp sessions are 50 to 60 dollars a week or something like that. You add that up for a month. If you take it doing weekly sessions, that's that can be expensive depending on what your finances are looking like. So. Um, I don't think that, you know, when we're talking about our our health and we're talking about mental health, it is it is an expense worth having. Right. Because we spend money on things. We spend money in a month on things that way more money on things that don't really help us in terms of changing this aspect of, you know, dealing with stress and all of that stuff so it's not impossible to do people find money for the things that they want people find money for the things for the things that, that matter to them there are people who don't have any you know are struggling paycheck to paycheck but yet they have the newest of the new everything so i think if you are willing to go broke for something let it be for your mental health because you know a good mental health you can make yourself some money and that's just my, that's, that's that on that. That's what I think <laughs> on that. We talk a lot about availability and lack in our community, but I am a firm believer that that is a, that is a mindset and that there's a way to shift that. You know what I mean? I don't, I, I know that there's, there's, there's real struggle out there. I'm not even trying to diminish that, but I also know that people find money for what they want and God provides You know, God provides. And so if people can find money for the things that they want but don't necessarily need, you might can move some things around that you could find money to at least have a session or two a month. Um, It's not impossible. It may not be easy, but if it's something that is important to you and and, and important to you being healthy, then it's worth the sacrifice. And also so working on being vulnerable. This year, I call my vulnerability year. So this year, I've done a lot of work in being more vulnerable. I have I made a conscious effort, like legit, <laughs> made a conscious effort that I was going to share more. I was going to ask for help. I was going to be more transparent about what, I, about what I was thinking and feeling. And it really took me on a journey to... Through forgiveness, um, not just of other people, but of myself, you know, sometimes when we when we're unwilling to be vulnerable, it makes it hard to forgive others because we don't if we're not going to give give ourselves any cut cards, why would we give it to someone else to, you know, be able to move on from something that we won't even let ourselves move on from things. Right. When you're in the space, when you're doing the work to be more vulnerable and allow yourself to be more vulnerable. It allows you to have more empathy and compassion for others and to give others grace and to be willing to forgive and even reconcile with others. And it also allows you to forgive yourself for things that you may have done or any shame or guilt that you may have. I couldn't have predicted that that would have been what this would have been like. I just thought, you know, this would be better for my relationship. This would be better for my kids if I'm just a little more vulnerable and I'm a little more open about what I'm experiencing and what I'm feeling. But um, it really did more for me, I feel. Um, It it made me better and it made me um, more open. And it made me less stressed. And it made me happier and more at peace. And when I'm stressed, I say I'm stressed. When it's a lot, I say it's a lot. And I think that we have a hard time just saying, you know what? This is a lot. You know, and I, I'm I feel myself getting emotional just saying that. But really, you know, even when um as I was coaching women in my program, the struggle that we have sometimes just to say this is a lot I don't I don't I can't do all of this I can't do all of it you know we struggle to just say I, I can't do all of it because for so long we've just had to to pick up the pieces but you know even if we don't even if we're we're having to, to we feel like we're having to do everything alone and do it on our own, because that may be the story of some women. It doesn't have to be the complete story. Like you really can create a community. You really can create a village for yourself. I am so committed to creating safe spaces for women. I'm so committed to say, to creating communities and support for women Spaces that women can be vulnerable and be open and be transparent and not feel judged and not feel like they look weak for saying that they need help or saying that this is hard. You know, this is hard. Life is hard. You know, raising children is hard. Being married is hard. Being single is hard. (laughs) Being a working woman is hard. Being a stay at home mother is hard. It's all hard. OK, and sometimes it can get the best of you. Sometimes it can feel so overwhelming. Sometimes it could feel like the list is never going to end. And that may never change like that. That may be just a part of life, but you may not have to be the person that ticks off every checkbox on every list you don't. That is a choice. You really don't have to be that person. You don't have to be the person who does it all. You can be a person that has it all. You sure can. I don't I won't take that away from anyone. You can be a person who has it all, but you do not have to do it all to get it. You don't. You can create a village. You can create a support, you can create a community who make it help you with different parts of your vision and different parts of your dream. And That is something that I I really had to learn over the years. I don't talk about this much. I try not to. But, um, you know, being someone who runs multiple businesses and I'm a mother of two and, you know, I am a partner to someone for a long time. I really struggled with trying to do everything. And it was to the point where. I shut down, a I shut down my business and this is, you know, I, I didn't have, I didn't have as many businesses I have now, but at the time I was so overwhelmed with it. Like the business had its best year, literally had its best year. And I remember coming out of that, like meeting that a meeting where it should have been a celebration and, and like, I, bur- I was in tears. I burst into tears. I got in my car and I was in tears after we had just had a meeting talking about how well we had done that year and i thought man i i am not okay like i'm not i'm not happy i am overwhelmed i am stressed out right and i had a small team at the time who did who were doing quite some work but i, I needed more help and i was and i refused to admit that i just refused to to believe that i needed more help that i and I refused to to hand over things because, you know, I was so used to doing things a certain way and I was just like, I don't think I'm going to be able to find someone who's going to do it like me. And you know, I took a hiatus. I ended up selling that business. I took a hiatus for about a year and a half and I was so embarrassed. I remember being so embarrassed that I had left my business a successful business that I had sold it. Um, I felt so. I was so. I was. I felt so much shame about it that I stayed off social media, which ended up being a good thing. But my reasons for being off social media weren't that in the beginning. It wasn't because I was just like, "Oh well, I just need a social media break and just take some time for myself." I was embarrassed, and I didn't want to have to say, "Hey, I'm no longer doing this business because uh, I couldn't handle it all." And so. You know, I I told myself for a long time that I, that I quit my business. This was a story that I told myself over and over again. I didn't tell a lot of people this, but I said it to myself that I quit it. I quit, That I didn't have what it took. And I quit. I was doing well. I was doing successful. I was making money and I quit my business. Do you know how toxic that is to just keep telling yourself that over and over again? And I really had to go through like this, this, this healing of just like, no, Business business can grow and be sold. That's not you know that's not an unusual thing. It's okay to build a business and sell it at, at, while it's doing well. Um, it's okay to know when you need to walk away. That was good taking care of myself. That was a, that was good me taking care of me. And I couldn't even see it like that because of this superwoman schema that we're talking that we've been talking about. I couldn't even see. That was good that I w- that I was doing that because the way that things were set up in that at that point, it's what I I needed. It, it wasn't a, it wouldn't have been enough for me to scale it back. I was so chronically like stressed and ill. I had gained forty pounds. Like I couldn't do anymore. And I did the best thing I could do for myself. And so after going through that healing process and, and continuously, it's not over. I'm still healing, you know, this mindset, this way of thinking and having to check myself sometimes. But when I came back to dive into business, into starting a new venture, it was in a totally different space. It was a totally different headspace. You know, I think the reason why I can have multiple businesses now is that I am not the only person who is involved in the day to day. And I am not the only person who who thinks I'm not the person who's like, oh, well, they can't do it as better, as good as me at this stage. I don't care how they do it. (laughs) I really don't. If I give something over to someone on my team, I don't care how they do it. I care that it's done when I needed to be done and I needed it how I need it. As long as all the pieces are there, as long as all the parts and pieces and parts and puzzles are put together, I don't care how we got to that. I don't care how we did it. And so, um, that was just something that I, I just learned to let go of and stop micromanaging, feeling like I needed to micromanage people. All I need you to do is f- complete this step of this project or task or whatever and I also found people who believed in the vision the way that I believed in it, people who care about the women in my community people who help create a safe space, that is a part of the culture in my businesses businesses, create safe spaces for black women is a core value in every business that I've created since that business I've sold creating safe spaces where women can be vulnerable creating safe spaces where women don't feel like they can't come. They, they, they have to show up a certain way in order to, uh, be a good employee or, you know, be a, be a good team member. I make it a point to create balance. I make it a point to talk to my team about what, what they need and what they, what's happening in their lives. Like, when is when's the last time do, do does your boss ask you about your kids like does your boss ask you about how how your life is going I talked to my team about that and I care about their well-being and I want them to care about their well-being because if they don't how can we help the women that are coming to us to understand how they can care about their well-being How do we take them through that journey if we haven't gone through it ourselves? How do we help them heal if we're not healed or continuing to heal or in the process of healing? Because you can help people heal even on your journey through healing. We don't all have to be perfect in order to help someone. And I am not, I I do not accept that narrative that that's who we have to be. We have to come in perfection. Like that's dead, that's dead here. And so this further got me so impassioned about the work we were doing at Juicy Feminine Woman and what I want us to do in the future. So that's it for today's episode. Um, I hope that you enjoyed it. This was a lot of uh, a lot of facts and stats in here. And, and not all my episodes are going to be like this, but I just wanted to bring awareness to this so that more of us could be thinking about it and kind of break this cycle that we have of needing to be perfect or needing to be super women in our lives. I also want to invite you guys to a workshop series that I'm doing over the next so throughout the, the the end of the year, we're going to be doing um one every two weeks, two in two in November, one in December. The workshop is called Prioritize Me. It is a workshop series. Um, each. Each workshop is going to be different. It's not going to be, you know, like we're not going to be doing the same workshop over and over. I haven't done a workshop in a while. I'm very excited to do this one. If you want more information on on that, I will leave information in the description in the show notes so that you can get access to that and learn more about it. It is about creating time for our self-care. We'll be um, tackling that in one of the workshops in the series. We'll also be creating a vision for twenty. 20- 22 (laughs) because we are less than 60 days out from 2022. I want us to go in there, go into that, go into the next year, really thinking about how we're going to treat ourselves better. We'll be doing a Bernie ceremony, which is something that we have incorporated in the Feminine Finesse Academy 2.0. This was such a great experience that we had doing a burning ceremony that I wanted to bring into the workshop, pull it out of the course and bring it into the workshop. Um the workshop is $25, okay? It is 25 bucks. For all three. You pay 25 bucks for all three all three sessions so if you are interested go to the link below um the final workshop will also be doing a vision board for 2022 so i always i love vision boarding you know this you know once once halloween passes and we get into those last two months of the year this is like my reflective period where i start thinking about the year and reflecting on the year and reflecting on what you know i Achieved what I what I haven't really quite tapped into yet, and um, what I want next year to look like. And when I speak of achievements, I'm not I'm not talking about just like money and things like that. I'm talking about just health wise. I think my vision board this year was very different from um, previous years in that it was really about. Me taking better care of me and while there were some painful moments there were parts that there were there were times where it hurt, you know, and that is a part of the healing process, you guys, you know, even as we're talking about being vulnerable, there was a times where having to say what I felt was hard. And um, really changing some of my thinking and some of my habits was hard. But um, I hope that throughout through this workshop will help you get on the right track for you in really going through your own healing journey. So thank you guys for being with me. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. Welcome to season two again. And I hope to see you in the next episode. Also, thank you so much for bearing with me with my voice sounding like this. I didn't say anything, but I know y'all heard it (laughs) because I am trying to I I put off recording this episode for a few days just to just in hopes that this sore throat would clear and it hasn't quite. I've been like sipping throughout this whole recording, trying to keep my throat lubricated and not sound crazy. So I hope this turns out well. Um, We also using some new equipment, ooh child. So it took me a while to get this mic set up properly. (laughs) <laughs> I might share some of them bloopers to, of me testing this mic out because my assistant was dying. Like she was cracking up <laughs> of like me trying to get this mic right. Oh, my gosh. And I tested it before I got on. Everything sounded great. So if it sounds crazy, it's me. It's me. It's my voice. It sounds crazy. It's not the mic sounding like this. This is just me now. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for sticking through to the end. If you did, thank you. I love you. And I will see you in the next episode. Later. All right, let's try one more time, okay? Turns out I might have been recording this all wrong from the beginning. Um, because the mic wasn't straight and I'm supposed to be talking in a certain direction. So now I'm talking into that direction. It's like, it's it, this is crazy. This is cray. This is ridiculous, Blue. Y'all could do better than that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm just trying to, I'm just hoping that none of this picks up a whole lot of background noise because that's really what I'm trying to prevent. I don't need a whole lot of background noise while I'm... Recording, <sighs> please just let me get the sound, man.